we have three children, Elmer and I. We have, well, four children, three by birth and one by marriage. So we've got Lance, our oldest son, married to his wife, Elise. And then Regan, our second son, and Chanel, our daughter. And so when Lance was just starting school, in just those first few days, he came home from school one day and he had this really scared look on his face. A really scared, kind of a sad look on his face. And I said, Lance, is everything, is everything okay? And he shook his head, no. I said, did something happen at school today that, that wasn't great? Yeah, something happened at school. I said, Lance, you want to tell mom what happened? He said, well, I heard a bad word. And I'm thinking, okay, you heard a bad word. Like, is it dumb or something? Not that that's not a bad word, but I'm thinking, okay, what, what is the word? So I said to Lance, I said, Lance, tell mom what the word was. Oh, no, I, I, couldn't, I could never say what the word was. He said, I can't say that. I said, okay, Lance, just listen. In this situation, mom is saying that it's okay for you to say it. Because once you tell me, then we'll talk about it. And, and we'll, we'll figure out and say, yeah, that's a bad word not to say. We'll, we'll talk about it together. No, he, he couldn't. There's just no way he could. And then he said, mom, I've got an idea. And I said, okay, what's your idea? How about you just tell me all the swears and I'll tell you if it was one of them. So I started and I listed, no, <laughs> gotcha. You know, but wouldn't it be great if it was just as simple as that? And you know, there are words that are bad, right? There are words that we would say, ooh, ooh that's not a good word. The words, but there are also the way that we say words. Sometimes we can take really nice words and we can make them into words that aren't great. We can take that. So sometimes it's the tone of how we say something. For example, and I tried some of these on my family this week. Um, the tone, what about the word fine? You know the word fine when we're thinking of fine dining? And some of you are laughing because you know that not always is fine used nice. When you think fine dining, it's nice. But when you think of crossing your arms and going fine, that's the end of an argument, right? It's like turn around and don't say anything else because it's over. Or what about the words... Um, Five minutes. You know what? Usually, five minutes, we can say, just, you know, I just need five minutes. Does five minutes ever really actually mean five minutes? Not usually when someone's getting ready or someone, usually five minutes means, ah, we're going to have 20 or something like that. And when my husband Elmer says to me, there's only five minutes left in the football game, I know that's not five minutes, right? It can go on and on. So that can, that can not mean, that. what about the word go ahead? You know, sometimes we might say, we'd say to someone, go ahead. But usually, it's with eyebrows raised, go ahead. It's almost a dare at times for people. That can be translated. And what about thanks a lot? When you say thanks a lot, often we are not really saying that with a thankful heart. Right? Often thanks a lot means that you've offended someone. Well, thanks a lot. And so just our tone and the way that we say words can make such a difference. Or the number of words that we say. The number of words. Now, you know me, and often I have little, uh, I work with kids, so I work with object lessons, and sometimes I work with tricks, and so sometimes the number of words that we say are just, it's just simply, you know, it's too many. And so I need a volunteer from this section, and I'm going to pick on Carter. Carter, will you come up and do something for me? Good. So Carter, what I'd like you to do, this is going to be a trick, Carter, you're part of something really incredible up here, so come up here. 
We got a tube of toothpaste here. So Carter, maybe you've even wanted to do this sometimes. I want you to take this tube of toothpaste and on that white paper, I just want you to squeeze the whole tube out onto the paper. Onto the, yeah, have fun with it. Oh, look at that. A big, yes, yes, yes. Okay, this is the easy part. Go, 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 go hard. Get it all out, everything out, everything out. Right on. Good, good, good. You got it just about to the bottom? A little bit more. Just about, there we go. Good job. Okay, now here, Carter, this is where the trick happens. This is where the trick happens because now... We want you to take all that toothpaste and put it back in the tube. Go! You can't. You can't. And you know what? (laughs) Good try. Pretty. Thank you so much. You can sit down, Carter. Thank you so much. And you know what? I wish that I had a trick because this would be amazing where I could just put all that toothpaste back in here. But I can't do that either. Have you ever gone to some event... And come home from that event and said to yourself, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. You know, and you've kind of blurted it all out, and then you've thought, Oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I could take that back, but it's too late. You can't take those words back. So sometimes we have regret with our words in that way. And um, there's ways that we've given phrases to things like that, and sometimes we've given phrases that sound almost positive. Like we'll say that, Boy, they really speak their mind. And we think, oh, that's kind of positive. Or we'll say, uh, someone just had to put their two bits in. Gets a little bit negative. Or how about, um, I gave them a piece of my mind. Or I really put my foot in my mouth. Sometimes we'll say, I took one foot out to put the other foot in. You've heard the phrase that they've jumped from the frying pan into the fire. Or they're really digging themselves into a hole. We've, even, we've done it so often that we've given phrases to using our mouth and our words incorrectly. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn with me to James 3? We are in James 3, um, verses 1 to 12. And it says this, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so huge, large, and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder whenever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest fire is set by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father and With it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, Lord, and I thank you so much for the worship time we've had, and Lord, we can sense your presence here. And so, Lord, I ask you now that you would be with us as we um, 
We want to hear from you, Lord. And I just pray that you would open our hearts and minds to what you want to share and what you want to speak. And Lord, I pray that if any of the words are of me, that they would fall away and that we would hear from you, Lord. And we just ask that you would open our hearts and minds to you this morning. Pray this in your name. Amen. We've had a great time in James. And I haven't been able to be in for all the services I've been with the kids. But if you, if you miss a service, you can go online and you can listen online. And so I have kept up and kept in pace with what we've been doing together. And so just a little recap in case you've missed. James... The book of James, he, he, James was the son of Joseph and Mary, so he's actually the brother of Jesus in the flesh. James is a short book. It's just five chapters. You can sit down and read it in one sitting. It's a direct book. If you want to know how to live and what to do, just go to James. It's very direct. But we need to understand a few things. James writes with some assumptions, and these are the assumptions. He writes with the fact that we would already know who Christ is, and we know he's, he is who he says he is. He also writes with the assumption that we know that Christ did what he said he would do. So he's writing with that. And that the basic beliefs about Christianity are established and about Christ are established. And with that understanding is how we need to go to James. And how James jumps right in. It is literally soaked with the character of God. Though within it, you, you, you don't hear a lot about what God's done. You just assume that, that he's done. And so it's soaked with this character of God. Because only through what Christ has done and through the power of the Holy Spirit can we do any of the things that are written about in James. So for James, a faith that does not produce real life change is a faith that is worthless. And when I read that, I go, yikes! If it doesn't produce real life change... James says it's worthless. That's kind of scary. So we're going to challenge some of the common statements that are made. We're going to challenge them. And statements like, I just can't help myself. And you know what? When we say, I just can't help myself, I'm not so sure. Because how many of you have, you have had this situation in your home and things are going a little wild and your kids and you're going, stop that, quit that, put that away. Then, and all the words are coming out of our mouth. I told you not to do that. All the words. And then the phone rings and you go, Hello? It's happened to you too. I know it has. You know, so there is some things that we can't help. Sometimes we can't help. Or a statement like, it's just the way I am, like it or not. What about the statement, someone had to say it, everybody's thinking it? Hmm, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. So with those kind of self-justifying statements, you know what? They really hold no water. When it comes to what James is talking about, and when it comes to the transformational power that is available to us through Christ. So that's how we have to go at James. You know, I will agree that we were all created unique and special, and you have giftings that I don't have, and, and you can do things that I can't do. We're all unique and special, and he's created us that way for works that he's created for us to do. However, we are all growing and continue to grow in him. And never, ever, ever would our growth in Christ be something that was unique in a way that's contrary to who Christ is. It's to become more Christ-like and more like him. That is the way that we're growing. So Philippians 1.6 says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. 
So that verse is saying, if you've got Christ in you, he's, got, he, he's continuing to do work in you. And some of you might say this morning, well, you know what, I, 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 I don't have Christ in me. There's so many verses, and I'd say, go to John and read John and see what Christ has done for you. And today, today, never let a day go by that you don't really delve into that. And if you'd like to talk to someone, I'm here afterwards to talk about that. Because if you have Christ in you, he's, got, he's doing a work, and he's got works for you. And you know what? The day's not completed, and the end has not come. So if you're sitting here, or if you're breathing, it's not over, no matter what the age. He is still working on us. John 3.30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. And so you can say, and people have said, that just sounds impossible. That just sounds impossible. It's so hard to change. We're going to talk about that today because Luke 137 says, For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. Nothing is impossible with God. James simply states, If we proclaim a faith in Christ and we know it, if we're proclaiming that, then our life and our works and our mouth will show it. James 1 Michael talked about a genuine faith stands up under trial and pressure. In James 2, we talked about that a genuine faith will motivate us to action. It will change the way you do life. Our choices will be different, and sometimes people won't understand those choices. And James 3, we're going to talk today about it will change, genuine faith will change the way we talk. And not just words. Not just words, bad words or good words, but what our words do and and how we use our words. He gives a graphic description of the tongue. And it starts with a warning about becoming teachers. And I just want to say right now that thank you to all the people and those of you, and I know there's many because I feel your prayers, that pray for me as I lead children. I know you're praying. Every time I go up to speak in front of kids, I say, Lord, help me not to say something that will cause one of these to stumble. Because you know what God's word says, it's better if a millstone is hung around your neck than causing one of those little ones to stumble. So I thank you for those prayers, and we need to be reminded to pray for our leaders and teachers. They need our prayers. Our leaders here at church need our prayers. Pray for them, because um, there's a high accountability there. He compares the taming of the tongue to taming a wild animal. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. That's so harsh. But I want you to think of one little phrase in there, one that gives me hope, and it's this. It's the phrase, no human being. That's going to come up later where our hope comes. He compares the tongue to um, putting bits in horses' mouths. Now, my dad was a horse trainer. And so um, when people had horses that had behaviors that needed corrected, they would bring them to our our uh, farm and my dad would work with them and, and correct those behaviors and it was amazing what a properly used tiny little bit that was used properly, not improperly, how that could control a giant, massive, huge horse. Just the proper use of a bit in the horse's mouth. Verse 4 compares the tongue to a rudder on a ship. Just one little turn of a small rudder can move the most giant cruise ship, a giant vessel, one tiny little rudder. And verse 5 talks about a spark. 
that destroys huge quantities of resources. And you know, we've been watching the last month or so, all the fires had been happening in Kelowna. And Regan's girlfriend, Lindy, her family lives in Kelowna. And you know, they were, some of them were evacuated, moved to, to other houses. These fires are huge. They're big and they just consume and take many, many really great resources. And I'm glad that it's calmed down there and this rain has come and people have gone back to their homes. But they're containing and trying to contain and keep fires under control. And you know, there's lots of controversy about how those fires started, but some have started or been said to start with just uh, someone that left a bonfire not quite put out or someone that flicked a cigarette into the bush and, and a fire ignited because the conditions were just right for that. And so people would say, that's not what I intended, or at least I hope they would say that's not what I intended. That's not what I intended, but with just one little spark, look at all the damage that happened. And sometimes it can start out like that with our words. Just one little word. And look at all the damage that can happen. And you know what? I hate to say sometimes, sometimes it can start with a prayer request. You know, sometimes someone can be sharing with you, have you heard about Sally? Oh, she's going through a hard time. Let's pray. We got to pray about her. Pray for her. And then it goes to the next person. Have you heard about Sally? Oh my goodness. Apparently there's really some horrible things. We should pray about that. And the next person is like, have you heard about Sally? Apparently she has gone off the deep end. And the next person is, oh my goodness, have you heard about Sally? I wish I could get her in this room and talk to her. And the next person is going, have you heard about Sally? I'd like to have her here and give her a piece of my mind. Sometimes I think we better worry and be concerned about how many pieces were given away. It can happen with just a prayer request that kind of goes wrong. When we're talking, and you've probably heard of the THINK acronym, The THINK acronym, the T, is it true? I, is it helpful? I mean, H, is it helpful? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? And K, is it kind? That's a really great filter to put what we're saying through. And you know, even if it's not malicious, even if it's not malicious and it's just something that, that, um, a story that got kind of carried away, what happened to us as a family, and this wasn't meant to be wrong or malicious, it just happened. When our kids were little, all under the ages of five, um, Regan, our second son, he was two, he had this ability, and not that he tried to do it, but it just happened, that um, sometimes he would cry so hard that he would lose his breath. And maybe some of you have had that happen with your kids. And then he'd lose his breath and he couldn't breathe, and then clunk, he'd pass out and... Yeah, I asked Regan if I could share this story, just so you know. And he'd pass out, and then he would start, um, it would be fine, and he would start breathing again. And so the first time it happened, I'm like panicked, and I'm running to the doctor, and I'm saying, ah, this is what happened. And the doctor said, you know what, that's kind of common for some kids. And not that we want it to happen a lot, but it can happen. And so you don't need to worry about it, because the moment that his body needs air, he will do the the pass out thing, and then he will start breathing, because he'll quit crying. And so this was one day that was about the hours of 4.30 to 6. And for all the young families, you know that those hours from 4.30 to 6, those can be really dangerous, troublesome hours sometimes because kids are tired, kids are hungry. And so it was happening at our house, and, and um, I was trying to get supper made, and the kids were playing, and then all of a sudden I heard some crying, but it, the crying went loud, and then it kind of went quiet. And then Regan came around the corner, And I realized the reason that it went quiet is because he's 
doing that thing where he can't catch, get his breath. And so I'm like panicked a little bit and then clunk, and I catch him. And then he comes to, and he, and it only happened a couple times, but this time it was like, and everything seemed to be going wrong. So Elmer's out working in the shop, and I phone him in the shop, and I say, Elmer, can you come in? Like, it's, you know, I need some help. I need some help. Regan passed out, da da da. So Elmer is in the shop with his dad, and he says to his dad, Oh, I'm going to the house. Maureen needs, you know, Maureen needs some help. Things are going to need to, and told him, Regan passed out, and so we, he comes to the house, and Regan's fine, and then Elmer says to me, Hey, you know what? let's just go out for supper. He could tell that, oh, that was a good idea for me because it had been one of those afternoons. So glad to put everything away. We went to town. We lived in Foam Lake at that time and went for supper. Now, here's where the story gets a little bit twisted. So Elmer's dad watches this happen. He watches Elmer come to the house. Then he watches within a few minutes, we leave in a vehicle, the whole family together. So Elmer goes home to Elmer's, Elmer's dad goes home to Elmer's mom, my mother-in-law, and says, oh my goodness, I think something's wrong. Regan passed out. Now, they didn't know about the situation that some couple times that had happened before, but said, Regan's passed out, and Elmer and Maureen left. I think they had to take him in. I think they had to take it. They must have had to take him because they left really quickly. So the way the story gets a little bit worse is that night in our community was something called the World Day of Prayer. And so that's when all the churches got together. Okay, you know where it's going. All the churches got together and they're all going to pray together for cause of international causes. It's an international thing. And my mother-in-law was supposed to be the reader for our church. But she thinks, I can't go because, my goodness, Elmer and Maureen have taken Regan in. i got to stay home and wait and see what happens. So she phones the ladies at World Day of Prayer and she says, uh, I won't be there. Could someone do my reading? Like, and Elmer and Maureen have taken, and we're not sure all the details, but something's wrong, and so we're just staying home waiting to hear. So meanwhile, like, what has happened is, I believe that Regan and our family was prayed for at World Day of Prayer while we're down the street eating chicken fingers. (laughs) And it gets a little worse because they called some of our friends, and Elmer and I end up at the rink, and people coming up to us going, are you guys Okay. You know, just how, and that wasn't even malicious, but just how something can get going and get out of hand. Just tiny little words said in the wrong way. And when they're said maliciously, those tiny little words can be really damaging. Now, that case was kind of a funny way, but they can be really damaging. They can affect our marriages, our families, our community, our church, our workplace. Our words have the power to build up or to destroy, really, And you know, when you think of um, words that you say to people and how we can build up, we really can say, we we have the opportunity to build people up. You know, when you came in today, I hope there was someone at the door, because normally there is, that greeted you. And that said, hi, welcome here. And doesn't that feel good? When was the last time we said, thank you for serving as a greeter? I so appreciate that. I feel like I'm going to Walmart. I'm welcomed in so much. Like, thank you for greeting me here. And this is much better than Walmart. So thank you. Or what about when someone, when you grab a cup of coffee? You know, I watched through the year that there are people that come to make coffee in the wintertime like at 8 in the morning. They come because they've got to make sure the water's hot. When was the last time we said to them, thank you so much for serving in that way. Thank you for coming. And when we built them up. Or what about... The sound and the projection people. You know, what about like the Berries and the Emilies up there? What about them? When was the last time we thanked them and said, thank you so much 
for what you do when you run sound. You know, usually the time, we usually take them for granted and the time that we notice is when, oh, something went wrong, right? We just take things for granted. And so we can build people up by just saying, thank you, I so appreciate that, what you've done, thank you. Just remember, if we tack a but onto the end of an encouragement, it kind of nullifies it. Thank you for doing this, but... Or just remember that one word that is said kind of not nice can absolutely take us out at the knees. Right? There's all kinds of statistics about how many positive words to negative words we need, and they're different. But all I know is that that we can build people up and just one ill-said word or statement can just take the wind out of us and knock someone down. And that's not what God intended. You know, there are those people that you walk away from being with them and you just feel encouraged and you want to hang around those people. And then there's other times where you just feel like there's nothing I can do right. Robert Morris, an author that I've enjoyed and a pastor, he talks about three points when it comes to bridling our tongue or taming our tongue. And the first one he says is pause. To pause. Just when, when there's an opportunity, just pause. And he uses this acronym WAIT, W-A-I-T. Why am I talking? Why am I talking? And if there's a reason to be talking, talk. But if not, just to pause. Pastor Bruce will say this when we're discussing things and discerning things. He'll say, when you have doubt, leave it out. When there's doubt that keeps coming, leave it out. And I love that phrase from Bruce. The second thing that Robert Morris talks about is ponder. And he says there's three kinds of people. There's those that think before they talk, those that think while they talk, and those that think after they talk. And we want to be those people that think before they talk. The Bible talks about thinking in two different places, thinking in our minds and thinking in our hearts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. And now we're getting to the key. Now we're getting to the key. The third thing that Robert Moore says is pray. So we've got pause, ponder, and pray. All putting our words through that filter. James 1.19 says everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. When I work with kids, I say this. We have two ears and one mouth. And so maybe that's a reminder that we're supposed to listen twice as much as we talk. Luke 6 tells us that the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what are we going to do? You know, and it's not magic. And I wish there was a trick that we could do for it. But there is a truth in God's word that is exciting and something that we can hold on to. And that is this. What's in the heart comes out the mouth. From Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So maybe the next time we say something that we wish we hadn't said, or we say something that we wish we could take back, the response is, oh, I wish I didn't say that. The response maybe needs to be, what's going on with me? What's going on? What is in my heart? How am I doing? 
Maybe we need to ask ourselves, what am I putting in my heart? Or when was the last time I intentionally encouraged someone? Or when was the last time I really sat down with God's word and soaked it in? What is really in my heart? I love Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, when it comes to any, like, how do we do this now? We come, it talks about our tongue as an evil poison. Oh my goodness, how do we do this? In Romans, he makes it quite simple, especially from the version in the message, that translation. And it says this, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you. He never said we're going to do it alone. He never said, good luck, give it a try. It's God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and I love this part, you'll be changed from the inside out, from the heart out. He wants to change our hearts. So remember, God changes hearts that are submitted to him. And Bruce talks all about this, the intersection between human and divine. And he talks about that intersection, and that is where true transformation happens, where true transformation in Christ can happen, at that intersection between the divine and human. And only with the divine, and only with the work of the Holy Spirit, can that happen, with the heart that is submitted to him. So James says, no human being can tame the tongue. But God can through the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, when we guard our hearts. Psalm 19.4 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. If it's our desire to honor him, then we need to fully give him our hearts and honor him with our mouths.